Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good afternoon to you. We are live here for the call. Ten stocks picked by you, two expert guests, all over the course of an hour. On this, the 19th of January, 2023, I'm Nadine Blaney. It's really nice to be here with you, whether you're watching live or whether you're listening to this podcast in its later version. We have a great program lined up for you. Two experts here with me in studio, which is always a treat. Grady Wolf joining us from Bell Direct. Hello. Hello. Nice to see you. And Brody Harold from Macro Capital. Hello. I don't know if we've ever done the show together. No, any of us. Up. So we will find our feet as we continue on and talk about these companies on behalf of you. David, if you're out there listening or watching, we'll talk about Fortescue Metals. John Ling's group, JLG for Gary. We've got Meta Group coming up. And I love that ticker code, which is mad. Uh, Nanasonics, which was actually out with some news today as well, a bit of a trading update, and Immutep in that biotech space. So great uh, stocks that are listed there today. Before we get to our stock of the day, guys, I would like to get your thoughts on 2023 so far. Um, because, of course, we ended 2022, a uh, big sell-off in tech, Santa Claus rally that didn't really materialize. But then everything sort of was looking really good. Um, Still holiday thin trade, you've got to say. But uh, did you get the feeling that the rally was sort of due for a bit of a, a steam release? Yeah, I think at the moment we're just monitoring very closely. It's getting quite high up, actually, um, just on the back of this momentum. Um, obviously, it was very low volume throughout the holiday period. Um, and we had a really nice sort of uh, rally into the start of this year. Um, and I think it's just been held up with the expectations of the, the US earnings season at the moment as well. So um, look, we're probably building up a little bit more cash around about these levels. Um, I think it's something to sort of be somewhat cautious of, but no, it's been a really good start to the year. And I think the market's defied a lot of people and it's actually stayed quite strong as well, which is good yeah. to see. We entered this year though, everybody talking about it being a bottom-up stock picker's market, which suits you fine there at Bell Potter and Bell Direct. <laughs> sure does. Um, what's the water cooler talk about uh, what's in store? It's looking at, uh, we're seeing a lot of investors kind of looking at the ones that are heavily discounted at the moment. So one I was looking at this morning actually talking about was Sezzle, um, down 80% over the last year, but has turned to profitability for the first time ever in November, of course, on the Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales. But and they've even said there's nothing to go by. But in terms of being the first buy now, pay later company to turn a profit, they did have a massive um, $60 million cost cutting measure last year, half their staff gone. So they're taking that on the way up. So the beaten down tech sector is one that we are keeping a very close eye on this year. Yeah, and tech layoffs in the US yep. here as well. And we just got data out from the ABS unemployment rate uh, well, the labor market really struggled in December, it looks like. Um, we've got a 14,600 drop in employment in December. 
that is well below analyst consensus and it followed a strong rise in November, but still it's the second fall over the past six months. So we did see the unemployment rate holding steady at three and a half percent and the November figure revised up, the participation rate also fell back from the record high. Um, and I should say, just in the wake of that, we are seeing a bit of pressure coming through on the Aussie dollar. The local market, though, is up by about a quarter of 1% as we go live here at about 5 past 12 in Sydney. So look, we'll continue to digest that employment data, whether or not soft data is good news in terms of the rates outlook going forward, which will continue to impact investor sentiment and it will continue impact consumers. And that brings us to our stock of the day, which is City Chic. So we saw shares absolutely uh, go wild out of the gates this morning, up by about 42%, still up around 43%. And I was struggling because I'd missed a bit of an article in the fin yesterday pointing to AFR Richlister Brett Blundy. Uh, becoming a substantial holder. So apparently he started buying the stock in December. He now owns 17.4 million shares or 7.3% of the company. So he is a big name in Aussie retail. Uh, he has backed uh, bras and things, Levisa and Honey Burdette, which I'm not familiar with, but still uh, that's some big news. I did note this morning that Oz Super has reduced its shareholding in the company, and you know the story with City Chic Collective found itself with a lot of inventory post-COVID. It warned the market back in December in the wake of its AGM that things had taken a big turn. It said that the Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Christmas shopping period was going to be instrumental in terms of how the half, in fact, ended. We haven't got a further update in the new year coming from City Chic, but clearly investors have been voting with their feet today and seeing his endorsement of the company as big news. So I kind of outlined, guys, what uh, the overall story is with City Chic. Um, what do you guys at Macro Capital, um, how do you view this company in particular? Yeah, this is just classic people jumping on the back of the whale at the moment, I think. Um, look, it's up quite considerably, as you mentioned, um, but it's definitely on an earnings downgrade cycle. I mean, if we sort of zoom out a little bit on the graph, it's gone from $6.80 to the 70 cent mark. That's uh, never a good sign when it's over a period of around sort of 18 months as well. And this hasn't just been sort of caught up necessarily in the retail sell-off. Um, it's actually been dropping very heavily off company-specific news. Um, so each time it's basically brought out a news or an update to the market, that's where it's been getting hammered as well. So, um, look, I think this is probably one I'm just going to let yeah, go through to the keeper at the moment. I think it's probably more so speculation than investing. Um, obviously, Brett Blundy um, getting behind the company as a substantial owner. Um, but it's a little bit like trying to sort of catch the falling knife, I think, with this one. Um, so, look, I've talked about entering the retail space. Um, there is some good valuations in that space. I don't necessarily think this is one I'm going to jump all over. Um, I'd rather something a little bit more defensive um, with more stable earnings as well. So I'll probably have to give that one a sell or just stay away from, at least for now. Um, yeah. Sorry, um, we need to get to know each other because if you say <laughs> to me, you'd rather a defensive one in that, my, the question is like yeah. what? Um, good one. I mean, we've talking talking a bit about it. Baby bunting. Okay. Um, Even though it came out with that trading update yes. earlier this week that saw it sold off, so you're seeing value. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so there were a couple of risks involved in it. 
And look, it's, it's going to be one of those things. When you get these stocks low down on the range, um, they can continue to sort of downgrade. Look, Baby Bunting, they released that update. I think they were down around 10% on the actual day as well. Now, a couple of things that they mentioned in that update, um, their sales are still really strong at the moment. So their sales hadn't gone down. It was a lot to do with the actual underlining profit. Um, they've been opening up new stores, for example, so they've been spending money there. They talked about the increase in their margins, um, basically saying that they've been squeezed, but they actually improved them from the last report as well. So I think people are sort of somewhat focusing on the wrong things, um, and particularly with baby bunting, it's got a stronghold on that market. So when they start to struggle, um, other businesses are actually struggling more and they're actually picking off market share, which is something that they mentioned in that report as well. So short term, not so great, but yeah, come out the other side a lot better off. And that's what I call a bonus buy for you, you and go. our viewers. There You're you. welcome. All right, Grady, let's get back to the stock of the day yeah. though, City Chic, what's yeah. the view? Um, it's a hold from me. So UBS, Macquarie and City all have a hold. I have a hold on it. Um, a tough 2022, shares are down 86% as we said, um, up 12.5% and 25% on the news of Blundy. Blundy is great. Um, as Brody said, it is speculative news. He only holds a 7.3% stake of the company. He's not a major share, like he's one of the shareholders, but that's not a controlling stake in the company. Um, he has experience in La Visa, Bras and Things and Honey Burdette. Bras and Things, Honey Burdette are both um, underwear brands and La Visa is fashion jewelry so he hasn't got experience in the city cheap kind of really niche market that it is plus size clothing um, and I much prefer the likes of best and less heading into 2023 with a more value proposition we are seeing consumers moving into value shopping as opposed to fashion shopping so the staples of uh, best and less are exactly where we're seeing consumers spending um, especially with best and less having such a healthy inventory level inventory absolutely hammered city cheek in 2022 and the fact that consumers were expecting consumer retail spend to go down soon with the rising interest rates how are you going to sell off all the inventory they're holding so I don't know how that's going to fare out for them in 2023, but no, it's a no for me. <laughs> Look how quickly Grady got on board with uh, the bonus <laughs> buy. So that's a, a no. It's a it's a hold if you're in it for City Chic, but it is a bonus buy for Best in Less. Yeah. Well, what a way to start the program. Let's get to the companies that have been picked by you. David asking about Fortescue Metals. I'll start with you this time around, Grady. Yeah. Uh, look, we've got China reopening. Uh, we've seen a lot of strength in the iron ore price to start this year. It, does this have a legs through 2023? Would you buy, hold, or sell today? Um, sell for Fortescue Metals Group today and a price target down from $17.33 to $14.09. So that's quite a heavy decline only because we are wary of the outlook. Now, China is coming back online. They are actually attempting, or the Chinese government are attempting to weaken demand outlook by continually saying steel demand's down, steel demand's down, the property industry's down, building industry's down. So they're trying to put a price cap kind of kind of de decrease the amount that we're seeing the iron ore price go up every time Chinese movements happen. Um, the biggest impact of the um, for the sell rating is the fact that September 22 quarter report had costs increased 16% on the prior corresponding quarter. Um, they achieved record shipments, which was good, but they um, the gross debt level was $6.1 billion for net debt of $2.8 billion US dollars. So debt's really high for FMG. Um, and the company is committing a lot of capital to the Fortescue Future Industries, their green movement, decarbonized division, and over a long time to come. So it's not just a 
pile in now. It's a lot of commitment over time to come. Um, the really important thing to note about this is a lot of the technology in that's required for the decarbonisation global movement and for the goal of eliminating all fossil fuels across the company's operations by 2030 is yet to be commercially developed. So the fact that this technology is not developed yet, uh, the company's piling all this money into it, it may not necessarily happen. So that is a very big warning sign for Bell Potter. So that's why the sell rating is there. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a large unknown commitment and the outcomes are unknown for FFI. So sell with a downgraded price target Okay, today. so that's pretty, that's pretty clear cut. What do you make of it, Brody? I'm gonna have to agree. Uh, pretty much on all points there. Yeah, I think a few things that we just need to keep in mind. I mean, with Fortescue, it's always been a market darling because it's been very low cost and high output as well. So, I mean, that's been very profitable, very simple for them in the past. Um, I think a lot of what Twiggy's trying to do with Forda, uh, yeah, the FFI section of the business, um, it's making things a little bit more complex. Although we have this sort of potential that down the track, look, looking sort of five plus years down the track, this could be very profitable, work out really well for them. It is causing a bit of unrest. Um, as we've seen recently with quite a lot of the executives, um, it's been a bit of a revolving door yeah, for some been. of them, um, including the, I think, recent step CFO. down of the CFO in Wells. So, yeah, and their, look, their pay's been skewed, the executives, so it's more based on environmental goals than output. So I think it's a really good thing long term, um, but I think shareholders should be aware of this. Um, and it makes the business more complicated and a lot more expensive to run in the interim. Um, yeah, and exactly look, like we've seen over in China, there's actually a new committee that's been put together as well, just to add to what Grady said. So they're in charge of negotiating the iron ore purchase prices. So exactly like we said, their job is to pay the lowest po possible price, which is never good for the guys selling it. So. Look, I mean, if you've got a massive holding, if a trim's allowed, I'd, I'd suggest that. If not, um, I'd have to just go sell. Yeah. Well, we'll make our own rule on that one, okay? So, yeah, that's a double sell. Jack, our producer's outside listening. He makes notes of all of these things because it uh, provides fodder for the investment committee. We'll update you on the portfolio in just a tick. Next on the list is John's Ling. This is for Gary. Uh, look, a lot of the brokers like this one. I can just see here, Ordmanet has a buy, Morgan's has a has an ad rating on the company. What do you think of John Sling? We've been involved in the past. We're not currently involved at the moment. Why? I think it's a great business, good balance sheet. So they've got plenty of cash at the moment. And what they've really sort of focused on in the past is uh, growing through the actual acquisitions. But I think when we're looking at the business, 80% of their revenues are coming from the insurance contra contracts at the moment. So it makes it pretty unpredictable. Um, look, it's concerning for a high growth company on a relatively big multiple in comparison to the rest of the uh, yeah rest of the companies in their space, um, and it, look, it's bad to think about an investment that does well from natural disasters, mm -hmm. but it has been a good business model over the past couple of years, um, and I think look they've used that to sort of extend out their big contracts, um, but with the unpredictability at the moment, with the market where it's at, um, I just think that forward. PE ratio sitting around a sort of 28 at the moment for basically what's a, uh, a little bit more complex than this, but a construction company to some extent um, and minimal dividend. I think you're just taking on a bit too much risk with that one. Um, the only probably caveat that I'd add to this is we've used it in the past as a hedge against insurance companies as well, which is a bit of an interesting one. So look, if you don't have the insurance um, in mm. the portfolio, I'd probably sell it on a rally if possible. If you do have insurance, 
This is one that you could look at. It's a bit of a hedge because that space is so unpredictable. Something like this is going to rally if we have a natural disaster mm -hmm. that causes, you know, these outbound expenses for those companies as well. So. I know that sort of makes things a yeah. little bit more complex, but yeah. I think what it does is remind us that this is information only, so this is not advice in any way that's tailored to your own financial circumstances. So again, you have to do your own research or get financial advice because exactly to Brody's point, you know, portfolio construction is a bit of an art and you can't just throw everything in there all at once necessarily. So you've really got to make some choices. And this is just giving you the information to get you started there. Okay, let's get your view then. It is a upgraded to a buy from a hold for Bells and a price target upgraded to $7.90 from $7.80. Um, the company has a really strong history, starting as a small building company in Melbourne back in 1953, now operating 24 brands and more than 130 subsidiaries. So the company has a diversification and it has a widespread and it's got a good track record. Um, shares are down 32% over the last year, so they're trading at a pretty heavy discount. Um, the Buy rating comes because of the further government engagement for the company. Now they were appointed by the Victorian government to assist with the Victorian flooding, the flood events that are still going on right now as part of a $351 million government aid package. So they were appointed part of this. Um, we see the opportunity as comparable size to the $142 million awarded by the New South Wales government last year um, for the New South Wales and Queensland floods earlier in 2022. So the fact that they're getting these massive amounts of um, government funding for business operations and they're being the chosen, uh, the chosen one to do the insurance repairs is a really good thing for the company's credibility as well. Um, now Suncorp's read-through has come through and they've received a total of 1,000 claims from the recent Victorian floods, indicating total claims are around 6.7 thousand claims and are with uh, JLG having a big uh, market share. So that shows it just the extent of what's coming through for their workload. Um, JLG is supported by, they have a record business as usual, catastrophe response and US order book. So that's their three business divisions, um, the which Bell Potter believes are combined with a possible margin acceleration heading into 2023 and 24. So we're seeing a lot more um, catastrophe events happening around the world. They've got business as usual, which maintains the underlying performance and uh, the potential upside is for the um, catastrophic run that continues to go through the roof at the moment. So, and we're also seeing some near-term margin headwinds in the US um, with the pullback of share price as an entry point for investors. So Bell Potter definitely sees this as one to buy into for 2023. Okay, there you go. I like what makes a market divergence in opinions. Okay, let's get to the next on the list then and perhaps some of these same themes will come up. Meta Group. Um, I'll start with you, Grady. Yeah. It's a buy rating with an increased price target to $4.20. Shares are up 46% at $3.62 over the last year. It's um, got a really good outlook for the next year. Now the company, as we know, is a provider of heavy mechanical equipment support services and maintenance in the mining industry. Yeah, so, and, and also I think it's still founder-led, isn't it? Yes, yeah, mm -hmm. they're doing, yeah. And so the company has got a really strong foundation. Um, they've expanded into obviously North America, as we mentioned, and the, that's one of the key growth markets. We're seeing a lot of mining operations, not only starting up there, but expanding into this region, especially with lithium. So we're seeing the um, lithium up there in Canada 
And um, so that is one of the key points for this company. Now, with the outlook for mining continuing to look really, really high over the next year and onwards after that, um, their company is really, really well positioned to continue servicing this growing demand for mining services. Um, another guidance upgrade is likely, so the company, we're just waiting for that to come out. Um, the estimate for group underlying EBITDA is to grow to 13.1% in FY25 and the NPAT margin to lift 7% from FY22 to 25. So we have that downturn, had that downturn during the pandemic, obviously, and we def definitely see the tailwinds are coming through. Um, the growth opportunities complement the Australia's mature business. So as I said, the underlying performance can, uh, as I said with the previous company, underlying performance in Australia, they have a really, really good, um, good foundation in Australia and they're able to continue growing past that and focus their opportunities for the new year into the new segments. Um, the cash at bank is $7 million and expected to hit $61 million by 2025. So the company is, yeah, they're really, really strong at the moment and their core business is service offerings and into larger new markets. Got it. So does all of that, in your view, Brody, justify the price? I think it does. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a really good story of a young business <coughs> at the moment. And uh, like Grady mentioned, obviously, they're focusing their attention on expansion in Africa, Asia and North America. I think that's really important for them. Um, probably one of the key risks that I see, and I do like the business, but uh, we need to have a look at the risk side of things is they actually, that uh, client list is actually very blue chip at the moment. So it's BHP, Rio, Fortescue are their top three clients. What, that's a bad thing? Well, they have a very heavy <laughs> reliance on their top 10 as well. So particularly in that iron ore space as well. So look, I don't really see that as an issue sort of this year in particular. Um, and it is something that they have noted themselves and they're actually working on. And this has a lot to do with why they're trying to expand. Uh, also looking in Canada at mm -hmm. the moment. It's a expanding, good place. Yeah, expanding <laughs> into the Alberta um, area as well. And I think, look, just the, the business model makes sense, right? I mean, machinery is getting more complex um, in a lot of these operations. Like it's probably requiring less people to run it, but more people to maintain it. Um, and they've re yeah, basically built a really good name for themselves at the moment. Look, from a valuation standpoint, um, even though the share price has been doing really, really well, forward PE isn't really sort of blown out at the moment. I think it's sitting at around sort of 18 times as well. Mm -hmm. So for a growth company that's, that's pretty much growing at 31%, I think, last year, um, I don't see that as uh, overvalued as well. So yeah, I'm comfortable with this one. Um, I'd say buy this one. You'd probably be happy to sit in it throughout the year. One thing I'd watch is, is probably some of that cyclical weakness, as I mentioned before. But right now, it's a commodity story for 2023. That is another double buy for Meta Group from my guests today. Let's get to Nanasonics now. I should have got ready for this, but it has come out with a trading update today. Uh, reported on it a bit earlier on, um, and the share price has been responding accordingly. Today, it's talking about strength in its uh, markets, and it was also just by memory talking about the fact that it has a little bit of pricing power as well. Shares are up by 8%. It is um, yeah, just pre-guiding the market to revenue growth of between 20 and 25%. Nanasonics. Yeah, so good update this morning. Mm -hmm. um, I think it jumped up 11 or 12%. It's oh, probably yeah. just come down a little bit as well. So they've really, they've gone through and sort of upgraded their guidance pretty much across the board. Mm -hmm. um, so higher revenues in North America, 
Um, they noted that their expenses were slightly higher, but all in all, their margins improving. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really good to see from a company like this to be able to upgrade their guidance at this time is very positive. Um, as a company in general, um, the key is that they've basically cracked the US market. Um, and that this is a US play at the moment. It's really just gonna be a matter of how well the business can actually take advantage of this uh, while it's working in their favor because your valuation's incredibly high um, for this sort of company, but that's what people pay for. Um, they're basically waiting for the next product or the next big thing to hit the market, which they can sell out of. Um, so look, all their money at the moment is reinvesting into new products and selections. Um, so they're not really getting much bang for their buck for all the output at the moment. Um, so it is very sort of speculative in nature, um, but I think they have really good technology at the moment. I think if you like the story, it's probably one that you can hold as a speculation. Um, but that being said, you know, if, uh, unless you have an understanding of the products, I probably uh, wouldn't go out and buy it straight away. But yeah, I'm gonna probably have to put a hold rating on Nanosonics. All right, that's for Michael. What do you uh, have to offer to Michael as he forms his view on Nanosonics? It's a double hold today. Uh, hold from us as well. <laughs> with it's a double hold. <laughs> okay, well, we'll call it a double hold. We'll call it a double hold <laughs> we, just won't make a, we won't make a promo about it. It's no, not quite as no impactful. No, <laughs> uh, With a price target of $3.85 now. The company has three products to its name, the Trophon, Audit Pro and Chorus. Um, two, have FDA, two have FDA approval and are currently in use. The Chorus product is awaiting FDA approval, which is expected in FY 23 or 24, um, which is great for the company. But at the same time, the company had a major sales model transformation last year in the US. So they used to have a distributor and that was that's how they got their expansion and their growth. Now they've gone and taken it all in-house, which incurs, as it came out today, much, much higher cost to train, get the people on the ground, um, get your marketing, everything underway. So really high cost from the company and it's expected to hit the revenue by 13 to $16 million um, on in the next results coming out. Now the company made a massive investment in its second disinfectant product, the Chorus, as I said, which is still awaiting FDA approval um, to clean flexible endoscopes. So that's good diversification moving into a different area, keeping with the, clean, the cleaning and disinfectant theme, but moving into another area for um, doctors in, in hospitals, which is great. But also to note is that their profits slid 57% in the recent, um, due to the recent sales model shift and also increased inventory. So they increased their inventory to hold 91% in the last financial year because of the supply chain issues. They saw they, that there wasn't gonna be an end to that anytime soon. So they increased their inventory amount without having um, the sales for it. So that's obviously, as we say, inventory on hand is, well, the higher inventory is not healthy. So uh, yeah, definitely a hold at the moment because it is trading at a very high price. Okay, so you wouldn't be rushing out to buy that today. No, thank you. One to watch potentially. All right, let's get to Imutemp, I-M-M. This is for Antoine, I believe that is. Uh, Imutemp is always updating the market. Uh, most recently, and I think it was just last week, um, it's got uh, another trial ongoing. Um, it's received 50% enrollment milestone in one of its randomized phase B testing. I mean, there's there's a lot going on um, at Immutemp. It's got a number of these products that are being uh, you know examined at different phases of the trials. This was a real market darling um, at one point, but like a lot of the biotechs, has really been beaten down in terms of uh, stock price as well. Um, is this one of those? Story stocks that you really need to know the story to get into? 
I think so, yeah. Even uh, it's almost like the more you look into it, the more confusing it is to some extent. Um, Why do you think I skipped all the names? And yeah. All the names? Yeah, <laughs> no, okay. that's it. Um, so look, I think with the company, they've had some really positive partnerships with Pfizer and Merck in the past. But if we look at it from just a purely business standpoint, there's no sort of stable revenues there at the moment. Their cost of acquiring revenue has actually sort of uh, increased quite considerably. Um, I think back in 2021, it was about 17 mil. Um, last year, it was 31 mil as well. So I think sort of consensus analysis is that the, uh, the company is going to run at a loss um, until around that sort of 2024 period um, before maybe turning a profit in 2025. But I mean, there's a lot of sort of questions still being asked at the moment. Um, that being said, they've got plenty of cash in the bank. Um, so they do have the cash to burn through at the moment. But it is just one of these stories where it's almost like tying ourselves to what's like a binary outcome, I guess. So that is sort of high speculation at the end of the day. Look, I'm, I'm sure they could have a major breakthrough, um, but considering the environment in, this is why we've seen the sell down, um, because the valuations they're trading on are very, very high at the moment. So look, I'm not an expert in the biotech space as such. Um, hold if you want to allocate a very small amount at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, just know uh, before you go into the investment, you could be waiting a while for a very sort of binary outcome as well. So yeah, hold for now. Best you could do as a hold. Um, what about you, Grady? Um, Specky buy on this one from Bell Potter with a price target of 60 cents per share. Both have been maintained in the recent update and report. Um, the shares are down 32% year to date, as you said, have faced a pretty big sell-off among the healthcare sell-off in 2022. Uh, companies targeting um, the antibody of autoimmune diseases mm -hmm. so that's a really niche area to target and as you said they continually have all these updates and all these clinical trials going on um, but they are ready to go for their first clinical trials for the GMP complaint manufacturing process which is established I'm not even going to try and say the name mm -hmm. I'm going to call it IMP 761 which is much much easier to say um, and it's also employed Norway biotech company to um, undergo the study and facilitate with the clinical trials so that's one positive update in their clinical trial process. They're also with a second clinical trial agreement with Insight 005 with their um, second clinical trial collaboration with Merck and Pfizer. So partnering with such big names in the industry, you're going to gain their credibility. Um, they obviously wouldn't just partner with any company. So the fact that you're gaining such big companies with really, really um, great reputations is exactly where they want to be. Um, the company are really well funded to continue through these trials. As um, Brody was saying, they're really well funded to continue burning cash on these trials. And phase one trials are considerably less expensive than obviously the phase, phase three and other clinical stages. So as they progress through, they're gonna need some more money. Um, but at the moment, yes, yeah, specy buy if you're willing to wait and uh, hear the story as it comes around. Okay, that is up to you as investors. Take it or leave it, information only. That was a good half hour. Hard to believe it's already gone by. I will just let these guys have a sip of water and uh, reboot themselves. I'll get you across what we've learned so far. So City Chic, which is the stock of the day, it is a sell for the team at Macro Capital. Brody's been kind enough to give us a bonus buy. That's baby bunting in the retail space. So you heard why, but interesting considering the trading updates that we've been getting from the retailers this week. Uh, Look, Grady says it is a hold, so she's not quite as negative on the company. However, she says it's better to buy, and this is her bonus buy, 
Best in Less, if you'd like to gain exposure to that retail, particularly retail apparel space, given the slowdown that we are likely to see in spending and consumers searching for better value. I know I am. Fortescue Metals is the first nominated by you, David. It is a double sell. So FFI complexity, FFI, just going to take a long time. So that's that Fortescue Future Industries. And also Brody saying that, you know, the iron ore price, well, both of them saying there's no guarantees when it comes to the iron ore price and the Chinese are trying to get it lower, obviously. John's Ling, so it's a buy, price target $7.90 for the team at Bell Potter. They like the government contracts that they've been getting. They expect it to do well through 2023. It's a sell on a rally for the guys at Macro. Brody says they have held it in the past, but it's unpredictable. And uh, look, there's a way to play it as a hedge against the insurers, but again, do your own research on that. Mater Group, it is a double buy. So this is a buy with a price target of $4.20 at Bell Potter in the right space. Tailwinds for growth, moving internationally, and that's what Brody likes about it as well, this international expansion. At Nanasonics, it is a double hold. There you go, Grady. Um, look, um, the valuation just might not be justified at these levels. Uh, you really need to understand the story as well, according to Brody. And Immutemp, it is a story stock uh, it can very, be a very long wait for some of these binary outcomes to come through, according to Brody. But it is a specky buy at Bell Potter with a price target of 60 cents. They like the facts, and Grady points to some of those big names that they are partnered with. Okay, there's a view. Buy, hold, sell on all of those six companies. When we get to buys, and that's we call them a double buy now, we send it to the investment committee, and then the investment committee determines whether they're going to put it into the Ausbiz portfolio. Also, double sells. They consider whether they should take it out or not. So we are getting the next investment committee all set up for the month of February to kick off this year. So it's been a long time between drinks, but um, I'm sure you've seen this before if you're a regular viewer of the program. I won't say the same things over and over and over, but you can see allocation there to BHP, to mineral resources there in the mining space. I wonder if that will change or if we'll change some of the exposure to energy being Woodside and Karoon. I was hosting that program when that got in, much to Nathan Samasandaram's delight. Uh, Elder is 5% holding. That's pretty chunky and you can see still a bit of cash to spend. We'll find out what they uh, do shortly, but look at this. Our fund is up by 12% on a cumulative return basis since its inception on March the 1st. So keep sending us your stock picks. We'll keep discussing them on this show. Uh, what could be better? It's a bit of fun as well. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Next up, we have got Biga Cheese. I guess we just call it Biga these days. Alchem in the lithium space just came out with a production report yesterday. Life360, I spoke with its CEO, Chris Hulls, earlier this week. Look, they are powering to a cash flow even and Boss Energy and Polynovo coming up. So Biga is for Simon. Let's go to you, Brody, on this one. It's not just cheese, is it? It's Vegemite, it's peanut butter. It's a lot of the stuff that we consume on a daily basis, particularly if we're eating more at home, if our pockets books are getting a bit thin. 
yeah, I have to be careful um, with the Vegemite brand behind them. I might not be too popular, but look, it's what, a good... What, you don't like Vegemite? No, no, the the business itself <laughs> okay. at the moment. So, um, look, it's a, like, it's a good <laughs> business yeah, with good brands behind it. There's no questioning that at this stage. The problem for me um, is that they're just sort of a relatively low margin business. And currently, or over the past sort of six to 12 months, they've been fighting with sort of volatile agricultural costs as well. So, I mean, we have some discussions sometimes with businesses like this, they can actually pass this expense onto the consumer, um, hence inflation. But it is difficult when you're fighting with the names of sort of Coles or Woolworths, for example, um, on price at the end of the day. So, look, it's, it's just squeeze them a little bit. I think if you look at the technicals on the stock, um, it is on an extended downtrend at the moment. Um, so I haven't really got too much against the business, but I think if you just reduce it down to the numbers, it is a lower margin business. It's still trading on a 25 times forward multiple, uh, which surprises me a little bit, and it's paying less than a 3% yield. So I think if you look at it like that, um, in these market conditions, there are much better options out there, um, whether it's in the space or elsewhere as well. So look, I mean, it's something you can probably hold if you really like it. You probably will get a return out of your money if you hold on to it for a long period. Um, but for me, there's better opportunities out there at the moment and uh, paying a bit of a better yield, I think. So it's gonna have to be a sell, sell from me. I thought you just said, okay, so it's a, it's a sell. It is a sell. Now you can have conviction. If you'd sell it, you'd sell it. Yeah. It's a sell. I would sell it, yes. Okay, you obviously like Vegemite. Love Vegemite. Who doesn't? Only a little bit though. I'm not Only a little bit with spreader. butter. No, oh, I mean, so much okay. butter. <laughs> also try it with avocado. Lovely. Anywho, uh, bigger cheese. So is this a company that's a little bit defensive through these trying times because we're still going to have to eat or yes. do you see it differently? It is in a way but it's a hold rating okay um with a price target increase though to four dollars and twenty cents now we love the bigger cheese story it's an australian brand at the heart of australia and we all love our vegemite happy little vegemites how could you forget the ad but um at the moment pricing is stronger but milk production is softer so it is a dairy company as well um, and global and local dairy factors come at play here. So what we're seeing in the most recent Bell Potter report is recent weakening in the US dollar global ingredient prices has been more than mitigated <clears throat> by the weak Australian dollar to the USD in recent times. Now, what that means though is the cost of goods is reducing, however, so is purchasing power. So it's weaker. So that's almost mitigated and kind of, and not really a fact, but like if they were to see the ingredient prices decreasing and the AUD coming back on and coming stronger as it is right now, then that's going to be a tailwind heading into the rest of this year. Um, we've also seen year-to-date trends in milk supply growth um, and SMP, so skim milk protein or pro product, I think it is, um, has skim milk powder, sorry, has um, been weaker than expected, but we're seeing premium um, increases for mozzarella. So. Mozzarella is a cheese of the year, apparently, and that's driving some tailwinds and some Oh my benefits. God, I haven't had lunch yet. Can we... I know, I'm starving. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, understanding all of that, um, milk production is also down in the big, uh, big areas of milk production around the world, um, but retail pricing continues its upward trend. So understanding all of those things together, it's kind of good kind of bad so it's a hold of them okay <laughs> all right that wasn't being rude but honestly no, 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 start I talking agree. about mozzarella I'm so and I'm hungry like I'm sweating okay <laughs> <laughs> let's get to the next on the list it's Alcom AKE this is for Paul Grady I'm going to start with you on this one yeah absolutely so Bellpot has a buy rating on Orchem with a price target in uh, downcrease sorry down 
downgraded. Yeah. Decreased, downgraded, both Cut. things. Price target um, cut. From $20.04 to $19.45. Um, the company has been downgraded. It, it's got six projects under its belt um, and it's got good diversification across all the lithium. So it's spodumene concentrate, hydroxide, um, which is where you have the um, revenue coming through. So revenue of hydrogen, hydro, hydroxide, lithium hydroxide, there's so many names. Lithium hydroxide <laughs> is 10 times the revenue than a carbonate or spodumene carbonate. So that's where the company's Naraha mine comes in and they've produced, an, they've given an update saying first production has, um, the quality of the first production comes through um, that's exceeded expectations. And that's exactly what we want to be hearing as an Orchem investor. Um, now the company's Oleroz um, project has achieved record production and that's their flagship mine with 4,253 tonnes of lithium carbonate, which was up 17% on the prior corresponding period. Now we know lithium was the word of 2022 and it's still the word of 2023 with outlook kind of across the board being generally in the right direction, being that it's going to continue to be that word of the year for 2023 given how much demand we have for the electrified movement moving forward so uh, at the moment their strength they're going to continue to see strength in the lithium space and Orchem is a diversified player that you'd want to play in so at the moment it's a buy rating from Bell Potter. Diversified okay because it's interesting in the wake of its update yesterday we've got Morgan's with an ad, City with the buy, Macquarie with an outperform, UBS with a buy so they clearly like this company but just to take issue a little bit see if Brody agrees I mean many of the conversations that I've been having just over the past couple of weeks is that lithium could be in for a bit of a soft patch not for a long yeah. time but like in the first few months of 2023 what do you guys think? Um, well, it was interesting to sort of read their report yesterday, mm -hmm. and it was interesting price action off the back of it. Yeah. It was actually a really good report, record production quarter and half year. Um, they actually went into the lithium market generally and how it's performed. Um, still looks really good in that sort of December period. And they believe that lithium prices are going to continue to reach new record highs as well. So I think it's just really sort of showing the tightness of the supply chain at the moment. Um, and that's really going to benefit companies like Alcom, also Pilbara as well. Um, and exactly like you mentioned, it's just that sort of question mark of supply long term when we start to have all these players uh, mm -hmm. entering the market as well. So, look, I think for Pilbara and Alcom, they're in the perfect position. They're going to continue to make just, uh, yeah, huge amounts of cash at the moment. I think they upped, and they yeah, mentioned this yesterday in their update, they upped their cash position by five times in the half-year period um, to around the 500 million plus mark as well. So plenty to play with for them at the moment. Um, and yeah, happy to buy it at these levels. It's had a consolidation down. It's back in a uh, good pricing range. I'd probably rather Pilbara, okay. um, but definitely buy Alcom as, uh, as well if you'd like. All right, there you go. Alcom and also Pilbara is a buy. Pilbara, Pilbara, interesting. Mm. Um, look, we've got, uh, that's another double buy for Alcom. All right, let's get on to the next on the list, which is Life360. This is for Peter. Now, Brody, Life360 has a long said that they've got the levers that they could pull if they wanted to, to become profitable. And they've laid out yet another path to profitability. Chris Hulls, the CEO, is very clear. He reckons that the market's got Life360 wrong. We'll all look back and say it's done things differently. It's looked to you know grow at the same time as creating value. Um, what do you make of the company? 
I think the application itself is fantastic. Obviously, they've tried to diversify it a lot more. Um, look, I guess at the end of the day, um, the CEO is going to have his uh, opinion on the stock itself. I mean, but the valuations are very tough in this sort of situation because we have got a loss-making business at the end of the day, and mm -hmm. it has been through an interest rate hike environment. So at the end of the day, there's going to be valuation shifts no matter what. Um, but what he's saying, I think, uh, has something to do with the 46 million subscribers that they have as well, which is a huge part of the market to have a strong hold on. And um, it's just really a matter of how you value that um, and how well you think the technology could be taken up long term as well. So, yeah, apart from that update, they've obviously done a bit more of a capital raising. So they do have cash on hand for further acquisitions. They've laid um, off staff, they're cutting costs. Yes. Like reduce, saying all the right things. Yeah, they're saying all the right things, which I think is good. Um, and look, it's this is probably something that I left in, in early 2022. Um, maybe I'll start to have a look at a few of these positions now. Um, obviously, these tech companies, they are starting to trade very, very cheap. Um, but I think, look, if you're in the stock, you bore the brunt of selling. I would be okay to hold. Um, I think that they are doing all the right things. They're talking about profitability. We're seeing that over in the US. All these tech companies are talking about their profitability now, um, now that valuations are in question. Um, and it is a potential, oh, maybe even a takeover target if big tech decides to implement this as well. So just a hold for me at the moment. Okay, but you're sort of implying that there will be a time when this year to to start adding some growth to your portfolio, some of these beaten down tech names? Yes. Um, I'll probably look at the ETFs first and foremost, um, some of the tech ETFs that are out there. Look, I don't want to go jumping into uh, loss making businesses right now. So yeah, this is why I'm probably not putting it as a buy rating just for now and just a hold. So I want sort of some of those businesses that are creating uh, good cash at the moment as well. Got it. Thank you. That's a hold. What's the view at Valpato? Buy rating for the price target of $9. I don't think that surprised me. Interesting. And Morgan Stanley <coughs> also has the um, buy rating as well. Mm -hmm. So some brokers are liking it at the moment. And obviously, beaten down tech sector shares are down 36% year to date or over the last year, sorry, at $6.09 the last time I checked. So the company, the most recent Bell Potter report was titled The Good Life. So it is a company that has a product and a service in exactly the right place at the right time. We're seeing an increase in the need of uh, protection of kids and some of the parents at my work at Bell Potter actually use this app and mm. use this system to track their kids every day. Some have even seen their kids at McDonald's when they shouldn't be. I've um, actually heard, of, <laughs> I've seen just online people using it to track boyfriends and girlfriends Ooh, where they are. Oh, so a secondary use of the product. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll be doing that. Nope. Um, <laughs> so the company, um, they had a net positive update recently. So core subscription revenue in 2022 was in line <coughs> with the forecast of guidance um, year-end cash balance of 90 million so that was on the back of that recent um, capital raise of 50 million dollars uh, to buffer the balance sheet and uh, add a bit of um, balance sheet security um, now the current the company has a really large and resilient subscriber base as you said um, Brody 46 million subscribers massive presence in the world and there's not really a competitive app like there are competitors out there but none that really come to mind when you're thinking of such a massive market presence now the company um, they did increase prices in Q4 of FY of 2022 um, which they said they've seen the resumption of normal growth after that so anecdotal anecdotal stories will say that subscriber growth tends to kind of slow down as soon as prices 
prices go up, but it's they're saying it will normalize in uh, the next few quarters. So that's not having a material impact and it's actually going to have some um, some big increases in revenue forecasts um, as a result of this in the coming months. And uh, they're expecting that positive adjusted EBITDA in 2023 and positive operating cash flow by the end of 2023. So Bell Potter is very optimistic that that is set to come in the end of this year. So a buy rating from us at Bell's. The good life, got it. All right, Boss Energy, B-O-E. Uh, this is from Luke. Um, look, energy was quite the story through 2022. We're starting to see a little bit of uh, more enthusiasm in the price of oil, at least when it comes to 2023 because of the China reopening. Um, we've got Boss Energy in the uranium <coughs> space. Um, uranium came up yesterday with Lotus Energy. Again, it's all being driven by price, whether or not these um, production uh, facilities will be brought online because of price rises. What's the view on uranium? Absolutely. So BOSS is one that I love, love talking about and love researching. We have a spec buy rating of a price target of $3.51. Now, the company is, um, as you said, uranium price has been so low for so long that uranium miners weren't really in the forefront of investors and anyone's minds really because we had the phasing out of nuclear power plants which run on uranium. But then we have Japan in August last year and Germany or Japan coming back online uh, turning their nuclear power back online because of this energy crisis and Germany saying they're pressing pause on the phase out of their nuclear power plants because they're saying that the need for uranium or the need for the nuclear power plants is increasing. Um, now the company is uh, really well positioned and the key to them is that they're on time and on budget which for an investor investing in this space in any mining space to understand that an explorer and developer and a producer is on time and on budget is kind of unheard of, but it's a massive tick. So the company has the Honeymoon Uranium Mine in South Australia. They've had it on mothballs since 2013, and that's because of the price of uranium was so low they didn't mm -hmm. really see the value in turning it back on. <clears throat> but now it's come up, and the outlook from the Global Uranium Conference last year is that uranium is about to hit 100 US dollars a pound by the end of the near to midterm, and that's exactly when Boss Energy's Honeymoon Mine comes back online. So it's expected to start producing by the end of this year, first sales in FY24 and double sales by FY25 with global and international demand going uh, expected to continue increasing. So this company is definitely in the right place at the right time and uh, with the price of uranium coming off those August lows last year and continuing the outlook to looking up, it's a really, really uh, well positioned company now. Bell Potter sees this speculative buy just because it hasn't started the production just yet, but it is on track for the end of this year. Um, and it's they see it as a really clear low low risk pathway to production in a tier one jurisdiction, being South Australia. Um, they have a really experienced management team with a history of developing similar style mines and uh, deposits. The opportunity for exploration upside is not factored into the current uh -huh. share price and a supportive structure and cyclical tailwinds in the underlying theme of uranium this year. So Boss Energy is one I am watching very closely this year to see what they do and a spec buy. Two thumbs up. All right. Well, is it two thumbs up? What do you guys think of uranium in the narrative? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. Um, obviously, there's, uh, yeah, exactly like Grady said, they're placed in the right spot, I think, at the moment um, for the next year. Obviously, it is going to be very key that they hit those uh, production timelines that they've uh, handed out to the market at the moment. As soon as you uh, put that idea in their head, if it doesn't hit, um, they will get sort of punished for that. But um, 
Look, they have plenty of cash at the moment. They're entering it, uh, the space at the right time when the world is realistically looking for some alternative energy sources. Um, so I think it's just one that you make a, a slightly small allocation. It's, it's quite interesting. So, I mean, they're sort of, they're pitched as next on the block within Australia. That South Australia seems to be where a lot of the uh, uranium deposits are coming from. Um, BHB is actually already producing uh, uranium at the moment with their Olympic Dam mine as well. Um, I think it's around something like a touch over 800 tonnes along with the copper that they're getting out of that mine as well. I think BOSS, when they're actually going towards production um, in that December period, I think they were talking about a steady rate of 1,100 um, tonnes of uranium oxide a year as well. So um, yeah, next on the block, I think, look, I'm happy to have a small allocation into it. Um, it is gonna be speculative. Um, and there's probably another option. You could have a look at URNM, um, the ETF by BetaShares. If you're not looking for quite high octane speculative mm -hmm. buys or anything like that, because that's going to have your sort of existing producers in there, like I mean, Cameco, for example, yeah. is the, the largest one as well. So, look, happy to have a very yeah small amount of the portfolio there. Um, usually, you get these names; they'll lead. Uh, yeah, they'll tend to sort of rally into the production phase, um, and then yeah, start to sell off mm -hmm. from that point as well. So, you want to be involved leading into the production. You want to be active as well. All right, let's get to the lucky last on the list for John. John, uh, Polynovo, PNV. So well off the highs of 2021, but just looking at the monthly chart, I mean, it's come back quite a bit. Um, let's go to you, Grady. What about Polynovo? This is probably my pick for the healthcare space over Nanosonics or the other likes that we've talked about. Um, buy rating with an increased price target to $2.30 from $1.90 recently. Now the company shares are up 64% at $2.53 over the last year, which is incredible given the healthcare sell-off. And mm -hmm. um, this is because the company has a really, really strong product in the Novosorb, the patented Novosorb um, product that is all about the healing and tissue bones, um, the vascular disease treatment. So it's all about the wound care and drug delivery in, inside and wound care obviously outside the body. Now a recent capital raise to fund its expansion, so $53 million in the bank coming in to fund its expansion, its recent expansion to India and Canada, which have already happened, and the launching of a product there in the first half of FY23. And later this year, they're looking at Japan and China through a planned distributor model. Now, the important, they obviously had that update that we spoke about recently, record first half sales of $27.3 million, up 67.5% on the same time last year. Total revenue rose 62.2% and strong growth was achieved with record sales in the US up 61% to $22.8 million. Now, the company is yet to turn a profit, but their loss is continuing to decline and it's minimizing compared to their expansion. So they're getting costs under control. They're expanding really well. And the important thing about their expansion is they're going into areas like India, which has an increased addressable market in regions with significant healthcare burdens of burns and complex trauma wounds. So these kind of third world countries and areas that really have high pressure on the healthcare systems. So the fact that they're going there, they have really, really strong potential and a really addressable market and uh, minimal competition. So 
really, really smart and strategic by them. Um, the investment view is it's the, they've strengthened the balance sheet, so they've reduced financial risk. Um, they're expected to be profitable from FY24, so aiming, working towards that. And, and they also have a low net debt, but are ex that's expected to grow a little bit as they increase their R&D as they expand around the world. But yeah, no, this is probably one that I'm really, really liking in the healthcare space at the moment. We'll call that a high conviction buy. What about you? Buy, hold, sell today. I mean, it's a tough one because I agree with everything that Grady said. We really like the business and we've been involved in it in the past. I mean, after the recent run up though, I think I came on on Monday after their update and actually spoke about this. It was a very popular one. The company's very popular, particularly with our surgeon clients as well. They're the ones using it. So they, uh, they're the ones in the know. But I think at these levels, um, I think in terms of sort of reducing the risk, I mean, it's, it's rallied so much. I mean, if you purchased this stock in the past 18 months, um, you're in the money. Yeah, so. and, and it's about selling as well. This is not selling always because it's a bad company or the narrative has changed fundamentally. Sometimes it's crystallizing your profits. Yes, and I mean, look, I think early last year, it was actually the third most shorted stock on the market as well. Now, basically the short selling action has been squeezed out completely. Um, so that might explain some of the movement that we've seen over the past, say, six months or so. Um, it's basically out of the top 100 uh, shorted stocks on the ASX now as well. But yeah, look, I just want to make it clear. I think it's a great company. Um, but when you look you don't at want these to make levels, your surgeon clients, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. So, got scalpels. Yeah, well, that's exactly <laughs> right. Um, I'd be in big trouble. So I think after a big run like this, um, trim if you allow it, trim. sell um, if you don't. And I think if you're looking to buy, um, mm -hmm. I'm happy to buy. I think you just hold off a little bit with this one. Like at the end of the day, it's still a growth stock. So if the market, look, if the market sort of has a bit of a turn down from here, or we have a jump in the VIX index, any one of these indicators, it's gonna start to shake a couple of those people that are in there at the moment because pretty much most of them are, are sitting in the profits as well. So yeah, sell with the yeah caveat to buy that lower yeah. if possible. Yeah, great. Yes. All right. That is so nice. Our timing is perfect as well. So let me just run you through what we've learned. Bega cheese, it is a hold from our Vegemite lover. Grady, price target of $4.20. So it's actually an uplift. Brody says that margins are just too small. It's opportunity cost, right? Like there's better options out there and he's put a buy on a few companies today. So perhaps that's where you look. Alchem, it is a buy and a 1945 price target. Uh, looking at this long-term strength for this EV decarbonization thematic for Bell Potter and Grady Wolf. Uh, Brody has said that it is again a buy. Um, it's a cash machine really at this point of time. For Life360, uh, it's a hold for the guys at Macro Capital. Um, yeah, just again, questioning valuations in this tech space. It is potentially a takeover target. If you're in it, stay there. It is a buy though for the team at Bell Potter and Morgan Stanley. In fact, $9 price target at Bell Potter, just calling it the good life is the title of the most recent note on that one. Boss Energy, it is a specky buy, $3.51 price target, on time, on budget so far. Brody says, watch that, they need to hit those targets that they've put to the market, but it's a specky buy for him as well. Another idea, if you'd like uranium in that thematic to gain exposure via the beta shares, URNM ETF. And you just heard the guys talking about Polynovo, buy for Bell Potter and Grady Wolf from Bell Direct, and it is a sell for Brody and the team at Macro Capital. Uh, look guys, that was fun. Thank you so much Thank for you. joining us today. We really Thanks appreciate you. your time and your insights and your expertise. Brody Harold from Macro Capital and Grady Wolf from Bell Direct. 
I'm Nadine Blaney from Ausbiz. Uh, we would love to get your stock picks. And I saw a couple come in in the program. We do get to them, sometimes not the next day because we've got a queue. Uh, but I promise you we will get to your pick at some point. The call at ausbiz.com.au. Looking forward to the small caps today, we've got Ronan Barrett from M.A. Morlis Australia to give us his outlook for small caps and he gives us two stock picks, one of which I had never really heard of before. So how good is that? Plus, we'll be speaking with Sam Lee Mohan from Frontier Energy. We'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> 